This is episode 555 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Why You Need a Ghost Gun. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the HydroBlue VersaFlow water filter. Now the VersaFlow might be one of the most versatile water filters on the market today. And the cool thing is that you can turn this personalized VersaFlow water filter into a family-sized water filter. Now I've created a free video and a PDF tutorial that shows you how to easily do this. And right now you can get this family-sized water filter for under $25. That's including the bucket that you need. So to watch the video, get the free PDF tutorial and a code for 20% off of the VersaFlow, click the link in the show notes or visit prepperwebsite.com forward slash VersaFlow. All right, everyone, most of you know that I record the night before the episode is released. So the Monday podcast is re- recorded on Sunday night. I was getting ready to sit down and start recording, and then I heard commotion in the kitchen. So, of course, I went to go see what was going on because I didn't want to record when things are, you know, where you can hear things going on in the kitchen, right? And so uh, in that time between when I got up and came back to my office to hit record, I received an email. And so I decided to go ahead and, and check it out. It's from George, right? And uh, I bit, it just kind of blessed me so much that I wanted to go ahead and read it. Uh, just, I mean, I, like I said, I just received this like five minutes ago. And he says, Happy Easter. I'm new to your website. I was working in the garage and was looking for something prepping wise to listen to. I found your podcast on, on TuneIn app and really enjoyed it. I think I listened to at least eight and love the Being a Normal Prepper episode. Already ordered the VersaFlow water filter and can't wait to try it out. I am not a hardcore prepper, just a normal guy taking care of my family. The podcasts are just what I have been looking for. Thanks. Looking forward to browsing your website and podcast. God bless, George. George, like I said, man, you totally blessed my socks off, right? I mean, this is, uh, you know, Resurrection Sunday. We did church. Family was over here for a long time. We didn't, I didn't get my usual Sunday nap. Uh, But then getting your email, just really uh, a true blessing. And, you know, when you say you're just a regular guy, you know, that's most of us out there. There are hardcore preppers out there. Don't get me wrong. There are people that are like, they're ready for the zombie apocalypse. There are people out there that are homesteading. And and don't get me wrong. I would love to homestead. I think that would be uh, something that I would really enjoy doing, right? If I could have that great mix of being able to create for prepper website and write articles and things like that, but at the same time homestead as well. I, I I really think that would be something I would really enjoy. But right now, I'm just a regular guy, just like most of you. And like I said, most people that prep are just regular people. I have a regular job, and I love my job. Don't get me wrong. I love my job. I love the people that I work with and all of that. And I would really, before I ever made a move to like homesteading, something like that, I would really have to pray really hard about it because, I, you know, I'm I, there's a lot of things that are involved with that. But... I, you know, I'm just a, a regular guy, and, and 
I live in the suburbs, you know, if you, if you looked at me, if we, and you know, there's been times in the past and I know that I've said, we need to do this again. If you live in the Houston area, maybe get together sometime and just have a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner or something like that uh, at some point. But if you, you I'm just a regular guy, man, you just, we're going to hang out, you know, we're going to, we, it's just, I, I live in the, like I said, the suburbs, I drive a truck, it, you know, it's like, it, it's, if you, unless you knew some of the things to look for, you probably would never say, you know, hey, you know what, Todd's a prepper, right? Unless, you know, uh, you know, like I said, you know what to look for, or I've already mentioned it to you that this is something that I believe in. So uh, again, thanks so much, George, for the uh, for the the email. Like I said, completely, uh, you know, bless me this uh, evening as I'm getting ready to start the podcast. And then when you get ready to do the verse to flow and turn that into that family size water filter. Don't forget to watch the video and uh, check out that tutorial. It makes it really, really easy to do that. So thanks again, George. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episodes that are out there. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from survivalpedia.com. And the title is why you need a ghost gun. And I think this is an important topic. And uh, I have some things to say. I was thinking like, okay, do I want to say them before or do I want to say them in the middle? But I think there, as I was reading the comments, someone brings up something that I'm like, that's probably what I would have said. So I'm going to go back uh, and well, I'm going to wait actually and hold off on my commentary until I get to the end and read that one comment that I was talking about and just you know, kind of go from there. So anyway, again, the title is Why You Need a Ghost Gun. The new Democrat-controlled House of Representatives has made gun control a priority. They are beating the old bandwagon of universal background checks as their first attack. While there is literally no chance of that bill passing into law, it shows us what we can expect for the next two years. Actually, we can expect it for the foreseeable future. There are those in this country who will not be satisfied until we are an unarmed population, even though reports out of the Department of Justice show that 90% of criminals get their guns illegally and countless studies show that arming the general population is one of the best deterrents to crime. Yet there is a push to enact quote-unquote red flag laws across the country which will disarm law-abiding citizens not for crimes that they have committed but because someone, anyone, thinks they might be a danger. Should these laws pass, law enforcement will be able to invade anyone's home and take their guns based upon nothing more than an accusation from a disgruntled family member, neighbor, co-worker, or activist. There's always a risk that at some point, these politicians may win and the government starts confiscating firearms. Of course, that requires the government knowing who has the firearms in the first place, which is why gun registration is always a precursor to gun confiscation. One of the keys to protecting ourselves from this is to ensure that we have guns which are not registered. That's why states which have enacted gun registration laws are having such poor turnout for registration. As long as they don't know who has the guns or what guns they have, we can hide our guns and keep them from being confiscated. So there are many ways of making sure that the government doesn't know about the guns you have. The best of these is to buy them through private individual sales, the very thing that Universal Background Checks is supposed to do away with. Another way is through ghost guns. All right, before I jump into the next thing, just let me say this. You know, in New Zealand, after that mosque shooting happened, they talked about registering guns, and that was a big deal. And, of course, everybody over here has our eyes on that. 
But the truth and the reality is not very many people register their guns. They're not stupid. People are not stupid. People are well-informed nowadays, right? They see some of the things that have happened in Venezuela. They see some of the things that have happened in other countries. And it's like, you know, when the government gets out of control, there's nothing you can do if you don't have a way to fight back, right? And so, you know, like I said, there was a very, very small amount of people in New Zealand who actually registered their guns and I think that's why you have very low amounts, too, when you see that kind of stuff happening in, in other places. And I, th I can't remember. Um, I, I know I'll probably get it wrong, but was it Philadelphia or Pennsylvania or something like that um, that was wanting to do that? And there really there were some people that were lining up for it or maybe they were turning in their guns. I don't know. Or just trading them in or something like that. I, I can't remember, but it's usually a very low amount and people are like, come on, really? No, we're, not, we're not stupid. We're not going to do that. So I think people are wising up to that whole deal. All right, so let's move forward. And uh, this next section is what is a ghost gun? The term ghost gun might be a touch misleading, but it's the term everyone uses. These are guns that are invisible to the government because they were not manufactured by a licensed arms manufacturer and doesn't carry a serial number. It is legal to do this as long as you are manufacturing it for yourself. Now, please note that it is not legal to buy or sell a ghost gun. You've got to make your own. But making one isn't really all that hard if you have some basic handyman knowledge and the right tools to work with. So let's talk about legalities. The law is very technical about firearms, providing us with the ability to make these ghost guns. First of all, only one part of the gun is technically considered the gun. This is usually the frame, whichever part houses the trigger and firing mechanism. In the case of the AR-15 and AR-10, the lower receiver is the frame which carries the serial number. The serial number doesn't have to be applied by a manufacturer to the frame or lower receiver until it is more than 80% complete. So, if you can buy a frame or a lower receiver that is only 80% through the machining process, you can buy it without the serial number attached. These are readily available online from a number of suppliers. They are listed either as 80% lower or 80% frames, depending on what model firearm you are trying to buy it for. No other gun parts have a serial number on them, except parts which are used to make guns able to fire full automatic. Those are not widely available and require having the right permit from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Not all guns come as an 80% frame or lower receiver. However, their number is growing. In addition to the AR-15 and Colt 1911, you can now buy 80% frames for Glock pistols, the MP5, AK-47, and a number of other gun models. Turning the 80% frame or receiver into a fully functional part will require finishing the machining of the part. You must do this yourself to keep your gun legal. You can't hire a machine shop to do it for you. You can't even send it out to be anodized or laser engraved unless you do it before doing anything else to the frame or receiver. So while 80% lowers and frames aren't serial numbered, the manufacturer you buy the parts from will have a record of the sale. A couple of years ago, government officials in California raided one such vendor taking those records. So anyone who lived in California and bought from them doesn't have a ghost gun that's as invisible as they think. To mitigate against this, you can buy your 80% lower or a frame using a prepaid debit card, which isn't connected to your bank account. 
then having the parts shipped to an address other than your home, such as your work address or a rental mailbox. So how do you turn the 80% frame or lower into a working gun? So there are two stages for turning your 80% frame or lower into a working gun. First, finish machining the frame or lower receiver. This is the other 20% of the process which the manufacturer didn't do. Then build the gun, add all the other parts, turning the frame or lower receiver into a usable firearm. So I built a couple of these, specifically an AR-15 and a 1911. Based upon that experience, I would highly recommend buying a decent quality drill press if you are going to attempt to do this. I'm not saying that you have to buy an expensive drill press, just one that is sturdy and has a decent sized motor. I did mine with a 13 inch bench mount drill press from Harbor Freight. I'd also recommend in investing in a milling vise, otherwise known as an XY vise. This allows you to precisely locate the parts you are working on in relation to the drill press's spindle, as you will be machining the part needing to move it in relationship to the spindle. This gives you a very controlled way of moving it so that you will get straight cuts. One other thing you need is a template. The same companies which manufacture and sell the 80% frames and lowers also sell templates. Please buy the template from the same supplier that you buy the frame or lower from. In some cases, like with the 1911, different manufacturers' products don't work with each other's templates. The same problem exists whenever you are working with a polymer frame, as they are made differently and need their own templates. There will be several smaller tools that you will need, like a digital caliper, some drill bits, and some end mills, but these are the major tools required. So machining the 80% frame or lower receiver. The actual machining varies depending on the gun model you are trying to complete. For the popular AR-15, it consists of machining out the trigger control pocket, making the slot for the trigger to mount through and drilling three holes through the lower receiver. The biggest mistake you can make in machining your frame or lower is to hurry. You are not using a commercial grade milling machine, but rather a drill press. Expect the part to chatter as the end mill cuts the metal. Ideally, you want as little chatter as possible. The way to have that is to make extremely small cuts, cutting off only a little material at a time. This is time consuming and tedious, but you'll end up with a better job when all is said and done. When I did mine, I was literally shaving off pieces of metal that were only a couple of thousandths of an inch thick. It takes a while to cut it at that rate, but you can take a break and come back to the job if you find yourself getting bored. That's better than rushing it. Another important point which many people don't realize is that you need to use oil when drilling or cutting metal. Ideally, this should be cutting oil formulated for the job. But if you don't have any cutting oil, you can use regular motor oil. Put a couple of drops where you will be drilling or cutting to help lubricate and cool the cutters. You will need to check the final dimensions of your cut before calling the part good. That's what the digital calipers are for. I would also recommend test fitting the parts that need to be installed in the part you have machined out to verify that they fit properly. These parts are usually machined to tight tolerances so you may find that your parts don't fit together even though you think you have them machined properly. I went ahead and put my own logo and serial number on my lowers and frames just so that they would not stand out so much at the shooting range. 
There's no requirement to do this, but I felt that it would help me hide my ghost gun in plain sight, so to say. The easiest part of the process is to assemble the gun once you've finished machining the lower or frame. You can buy part kits or buy the individual parts. If you want to make sure there's no record of those purchases, buy the parts for cash at a gun show. There always seems to be one or two vendors at the gun show who are selling parts. You may need some special tools for assembly. For the AR-15, there is a special barrel wrench and a buffer tube wrench. You can buy combination units as well, which have both functions in one. Other firearms need other special tooling, although most don't require more than one or two tools. So building your own ghost gun can be a fun and satisfying project. Don't think you're going to save money this way though. I spent more on my AR-15 than I would have if I had bought a comparable one in my local gun store. That's mostly because I had to buy the tooling as well. But if I ever decide to make another one, I won't need to buy that tooling again. If your purpose in doing this is to have guns that the government has no way of knowing about, then be sure to hide them well. Don't put your ghost gun in the gun safe along with the others. Rather, hide it in some ammunition someplace where nobody is going to be able to find it. I wrote an article about this last year, which might give you some ideas. And there's a link here at the end when he was saying that he wrote an article about this. All right, so that's the end of the article. Now let me come back with a few, a few things here. Um, so there was this one time I was doing a wedding and uh, it was uh, a young couple, they were married, they were having it at uh, the parents, like in one of the parents' backyards, right? And so things were running really, really late. I got there on time. We kind of went through everything. And they lived kind of out in the country. Like, it, it really wasn't suburbs. Um, it was more country. It was like right on the outskirts, right? Right there on the edge. And so this, uh, this man had some property. It wasn't a lot, but probably about two or three acres. And so as we were talking, we started talking about, I could see that they, were, they had uh, the beginning stages of uh, a greenhouse. So I'm like, hey, you got a greenhouse. And I could see that they had, you know, a couple of big buildings and they had, I could see some solar panels and things. And of course, you remember at the very beginning when I was talking about George's article, you know, there's some things that kind of stuck out at me, right? And so in talking with the man who owned that property, I was able to just kind of throw a couple of things out there without really revealing too much, but that if someone was thinking the same way, that we would come to, to an understanding, if you know what I mean, right? And so it's been so long ago, I can't remember all the things, but I remember talking about the garden and talking about gardening and, and talking about you know having property and chickens and, and, and rabbits and all this kind of stuff, right? Talking about all that kind of stuff. And then he, you know, he turns to me and he goes, hey, do you have a little bit of time? I'm like, sure. And so he goes, let me show you my man cave. And so we go to the, uh, we, we go to, there's two buildings there. And so one is a place where it's kind of like a, a, I guess a garage, right? And it's his, you know, whatever. They have all kinds of stuff stored in there. And I think he had a boat and another car or a tractor or whatever. And then we go into this other place and he's like, this is my shop, right? And so you're looking around and he's got some presses and he's got some other things and you can see that he tinkers around. I think he was probably retired or, or like right on the edge of being retired. I'm pretty sure though, if I remember correctly, I think he was retired. He was a little bit older. And so uh, he says, I know you're a preacher. How do you feel about guns? And I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm, I'm cool with it, right? I'm really good with it. 
And so he brings out his keys and he goes to this door and he unlocks this door and he opens it up. And man, he you have like reloading equipment, you've got lowers, you've got ammunition, you've got all this stuff, man. And I'm like, whoa, this looks pretty cool. And we start talking and all this kind of stuff. So what what it happens is he's with the, he's in a group of guys that they build their own firearms, right? And so they have these parties, if you want to call them that. And it's all people that they know or that they know that they know, right? It's all friends. It's not something that's out there advertised. But you get the parts that you need and then you come together. And like at his place, he has all the equipment to do it correctly. So you wouldn't be buying a tool from Harbor Freight. You would be using his milling, uh, you know, his milling press or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't know technical terms, right? And I thought, man, and I can't remember if it was ARs or, or AKs that they were working with, but it was it was pretty cool, man, the setup. And he kind of ran me through. I mean, we had a lot of time. This was, you know, it was a young young couple and family was getting there. And you know how it goes, man. It's just like everybody was on their own time. So we had a lot of time to kill. But it was cool because he was showing me all of this stuff. And I'm like, man, that's really cool. You know, and he was telling me what, how, you know, how cheaply you could get the different parts and going after it. And I mean, they, they did this, you know, for, uh, you know, like, again, they had parties, right? They would do this a couple of times a year and stuff like that. And so I thought that that was really cool. So there are people out there. If you are somebody like, hey, this might be a good idea, but I don't know. I don't have all these tools. There are people out there that do it. You just need to find the right, you know, group of people, right? So how you go about doing that, I don't know. I can't, I, I mean, you're going to have to look around, ask around and uh, different things like that. Maybe get on some gun forums that, you know, where you can find local people, you know, in your local area and you can kind of connect with them. And I'm sure there's always that, that idea where like, hey, I really want to make sure I know you, that you're someone who is a stand up person, you know. But I don't know, man. Ask around the people that you know that are really into hunting and firearms and different things like that. Because that, like I said, that's the gateway. Firearms and gardening is the gateway drug to, uh, you know, to prepping really uh, a lot of the times. Because you start getting into that and you realize, man, you know what? Uh, this is something that, well, it leads you into the other things that are out there, right? Just because of the nature of it. You start going to gun forums and there's going to be preparedness there. You start going to gardening forums or gardening websites. There's going to be, eventually you're going to hit some kind of prepping there uh, eventually, right? So there's a, there, there's a lot of that that goes into it. And so I remember, and the, the whole reason why I even thought that this was, because back then, because this has been a long time ago, I, I couldn't even get to the guy's place. I don't even remember where it was, right? But, uh, I remember back then I had Prepper website and I had linked to a video of a, uh, I guess it was uh, like a news report. The guy was in California and he did a report on this very exact same thing. And I think he was doing AKs, right? So it was these AK build parties where you would do exactly this, what, what this article was talking about. And of course he was a reporter, he was undercover, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And then after, at the very end of, and this is why I was like, this is so crazy. At the very end of his segment, 
you, they see, you know, they show him like destroying his AK, right? It was like, so I made this AK and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm tearing it up, right? And there's like, they're you know, like sawing it in half and they're doing all this and completely making it to where nobody could ever use it again. I'm like, are you, come on, man, really? I can't believe you're doing that. But that's the whole reason why when this guy was talking to me about it, I was like, wow, you know, I, this is exactly what I remember linking to on Prepper website. So there are people out there that do that. You just need to find them, right? You need to feel comfortable with them. And you it, you will come out cheaper. I know that in this article, he said that he spent more money, but because he bought all the tools. But if you're doing something like this and you are linking up with people who have the tools, then really all you're buying are the parts. And so that's, you know, very interesting. I don't agree with him where he put, I guess, I mean, you know, you need to shoot it somewhere. Um... I, w I would always, I don't know if I would have put, you know, the fake serial numbers on there or whatever, but I don't know. Uh, maybe that's a good idea or not. Um, I, I can, I don't know. I guess my thing is, I don't know if I would be taking it out to public if I had a ghost gun, right? If I had something like that. I don't know. For me, I would do more kind of like what the person said in the comments. And so I wanted to go down uh, into the comments and... Uh, Somebody said here, like, you know, renting a mail. Let me read just a couple of the comments here. Renting a mailbox won't work either. And so they said, you know, because the government knows that you have that and you have to have proof of where you live, blah, blah, blah. And then someone someone underneath him said, I rented one with just my ID, told the lady that I was starting uh, a small startup business. And this was like, this wasn't an official USPS, you know, postal service. Uh, P.O. box. This was more you know, somebody who had their own little business, like a mailbox, etc., or whatever. And so you just rent out a little space and uh, for a monthly fee, and they take your mail, right? And so you can have things uh, sent there. All right. So let me see here. Um, so this one comment said this: Another type of ghost gun would be one you paid cash for from someone you know or don't know. And there's no transaction paperwork and no one other than the person you bought it from knows you own it. And so someone responded to that and said, yes, an unpapered trail firearm makes as much sense as building your own. Be sure to include a few extra magazines if required. Revolvers and fixed magazines don't. And a case or brick of ammunition for it, for it a good, for it's a good start for a Patriot kit. Put the kit in a safe space away from your household and other personal effects for just in case. So that's another thing that you can do if like building a firearm, you know, building your own is just completely or machining your own is completely out of the question. Like you just don't see any way of being able to do that or you try or whatever. You could go to a gun show and, and I've seen them before. I've seen all kinds, you know, Houston has a couple of big gun shows, all kinds of firearms exchange you know, exchange hands and money just right there with no paperwork done, you know, and those might be collectors. Those might be people who are, you know, wanting to put a, a gun up for just whatever reason. And just like, hey, I'm going to put it up and I'm going to have it just in case whatever. And it's there. Or maybe people like, hey, I really want to defend myself, but I, I don't want to go through all the paperwork and all of that stuff, or this is cheaper or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of caveats to that. There's all kinds of things to consider there. Uh, you know, I remember talking to one person who was afraid that they purchased a hot gun. And that's one of the things that you always, you know, you run the risk of, right? So you need to consider that. 
Uh, there, you never know, you know, who fired that that firearm before, and that's that's the risk that you run when you purchase uh, something like that. So that's always a consideration. So one more story that I'm thinking about before I end the podcast. So back in the day when I was first into preparedness, there was a meetup group that was just starting and I connected with them. And like on the first meeting, there was someone there who was talking about like keeping guns away from people like if there was a confiscation. And so his idea was to have a gun safe that you have firearms in there that you wouldn't mind losing, right? And then your real firearms were hidden somewhere else. Now, there are, you know, if they're really doing gun confiscation, they probably would know, you know, what you have, or at least they would bring in, you know, dogs maybe that could search out. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they do, but that's always one of those things is you put firearms up far away or somewhere else that if someone was to break in and maybe they steal your firearms, they didn't steal the ones that you really prized or you really cared about or ones that were hidden really, really well, or maybe they were in a cache somewhere, uh, you know, and so all, all of that kind of stuff. And so that just kind of came flooding back into my memory when I was reading this article and then talking about some of the things here. One last thing. I know I said I was going to say one more thing. One last thing here. I don't know if gun confiscation, gun registration would really work here in America. To be honest with you, I think people know why that would happen. And I think the people that would want that in place would be a lot smarter about how things would go down. So back in the in the day, a couple of years ago, they talked about taxing firearm or ammunition so much that the manufacturers would have to go out of business that nobody no one would be able to afford it or they were going to tax the uh the gunpowder or it was something along those lines that it was going to be so much uh, you know put on these fi- or these ammunition suppliers and manufacturers that no one was going to be able to make it anymore and so i think there was only two left in in the united states and so they were going to p- tax very very heavy anything that came into the United States, right? So from ammunition manufacturers from from other countries, and then the ones that were here, that they were gonna tax very heavily as well. And so to me, that's probably more of what they would do, is somehow they would stop the sale of new guns, and then they would stop somehow ammunition from being sold. So those that have it, you have a firearm, but you don't have the ammunition that you that you would want. Now I know I'm talking to a lot of people probably that have a lot of ammunition on. You know, he's like, "Hey, I'm stocked up. I'm good to go." Right? Uh, I think I can't remember who it was. I was watching one YouTuber, and they were like, "I've got more ammo than my grandkids could could shoot, man." You know, and that type of stuff. So there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of it, but think about it. If things if they torqued down the ability to not get new ammo, people wouldn't be selling the ammo that they have because they would be worried about not being able to replace it. And so there would just it, there wouldn't be a lot out there traveling around. And so you would go, I remember going to the gun show back when we had, you know, where you couldn't find 22 long rifle and 9mm. I can't remember exactly which year that was. But I remember I took a picture of, and I, th- I think I have it on Facebook, uh, back in the day, I took a picture of it and a brick 
where you could buy like 550 rounds of 22 long rifle. I think it was some crazy amount of money, like $80 or something. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It was so crazy that I had to take a picture of it. And uh, so I, I know it's out there somewhere, but that's probably, that's what would happen, you know? And then, so people would pay that much money and then they wouldn't go out to the shooting ranges. They wouldn't go out and just pop off, you know, uh, a couple of rounds because it costs so much money to do that. They would want to keep it in case there was any kind of, you know, reason to use it in the future. So that's the way that I th really think that it would happen. I don't think, I think the, the gun confiscation, I think that would, wouldn't be part of it there. I mean, there are things where, you know, big databases and stuff that, that already, I'm sure government already has some of those things. But, you know, when you buy from a local, I remember listening to one of the local uh, gun owners, I, I, I ran into one one time and he said, yeah, if, if the government asked me for my, you know, book, right, or whatever, registration files, I would all of a sudden have like a fire, you know, and so it, all of a sudden I would have a fire in my back room and all that stuff would get burnt up. And, you know, that's kind of the way that they felt. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I don't think most people would just turn their stuff over like that. And so, you know, that's why I say I think there would be another way that they would go around doing it if that ever was the case, right? And depending on who's in power, that is a potential of happening, just like it said in this article at the very beginning, um, depending on who's in power and how they go about doing it. So anyway, there you go. That's This article, like always, is going to be linked in the show notes. And you can go link to it and link on some and click on some of the other links that are available. Hey everyone, that is it for episode 555. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.